We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Can I feel out? Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? In that baby light, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 312 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 14, Lunar Landing, Part 2. As Shepard and Mitchell descended to the moon through 30,000 feet, there was still no landing radar data. If the radar didn't come in by 10,000 feet, the mission rules specified a mandatory abort. In mission control, guidance officer Will Presley queued up his displays. He was about 90 seconds away from making a judgment call to accept the radar data or if it was not within limits, abort the mission. But there was now no radar data to even consider. In a voice lacking conviction, Presley gave Flight Director Jerry Griffin a go to continue descent at five minutes after powered descent initialization. Presley knew that in the next 60 seconds, he would have to call an abort if he did not get good radar data. The lunar module radar was Dick Thorson's responsibility. He was the control engineer for descent and landing. Thorson and Griffin were intently watching for any indication that the radar was tracking the surface. Finally, Griffin spoke to Thorson saying, Dick, you got anything you want to try? Thorson reached into his bag of tricks for the only thing that could be done in a few seconds. Flight. Have them cycle the circuit breaker. Now, Capcom Fred Hayes told the crew, We'd like you to cycle the landing radar breaker. Shepard pulled the circuit breaker out and pushed it back in again. Okay, he radioed, it's cycled. And Terry's was down to 22,500 feet now as Mitchell continued to encourage the landing radar to come on. And Terry's uh, Houston would like you to cycle the landing radar breaker. Cycle the landing radar breaker. Okay, and cycle. Come on. Suddenly, the caution lights went out and the radar signals began to come in. Within seconds, the astronauts could see that its data was good. Seconds later in mission control, a jubilant Will Presley shouted, Flight! We've got radar lockup. Every controller had been holding his breath. For a few seconds, the voice comm was noisy as all exhaled. Some even whistled. Presley's next words were virtually shouted, tripping over each other as he blurted, Altitude data is go, except the radar. Once more, 
With help from mission control, the astronauts had made a narrow escape. Shepard would later say, The call to recycle the landing radar circuit breaker obviously was an excellent call, and that saved the day. I can't say enough for the ground people on that particular call. Okay. Velocity light. Drive 57 enter. How's it look, Houston? Can we accept? Okay, I would like to accept the radar. Okay, bro. Bridging, bro. Great. Great. Okay. At the beginning of the clip, you heard Shepard say, Enter verb 57. This allowed Houston to check the difference between the radar's height measurement and the guidance computer's calculation. After the mission was over, Shepard confided to flight director Griffin that he would have continued the approach even without the radar. But on Apollo 14, the error in the lunar module computer's knowledge of the actual altitude was almost 4,000 feet before the landing radar data updated. With an error this great in the computer, Griffin and the trench were convinced Shepard would have run out of fuel before landing. But everyone who knew Shepard never doubted he would have given it a shot. They also never doubted he would have eventually had to abort. The fuel budget was just too tight. Okay, and monitor descent of fuel too. Okay, the throttle line was on time, essentially. And we're on descent fuel, too. All right, Gerald. There were two different fuel indicators for descent. Mission Control told the crew to use descent fuel 2 gauge because it was reading the lowest. Essentially, they chose the more conservative of the two fuel gauges. The computer-controlled throttle down, and it came 14 seconds early, about three seconds of that was due to the downrange sight correction, but the rest of it was because Antares engine performed better than predicted. The descent propulsion system thrust was 9,862 pounds, 69 pounds greater than predicted, and this shortened the full throttle burn time by 11 seconds. And Antares Houston, uh, your Ping's H dot is a good one. Okay, thank you. Good, Al. That's the camera. As Antares descended through 14,000 feet, Mission Control believed that their primary guidance system, the PINGS, was yielding the best solution for their rate of descent and instructed Shepard and Mitchell to use it. Houston also gave the go at eight minutes after PDI. The camera Mitchell mentioned was the 16mm movie camera mounted in the lunar module's right window. It would be used to film the approach and landing. 10 seconds to go. 4. Okay, there's pitch over. 64, we have pitch over, Houston. There's 12. Right down. Right out the 
Program 64 controlled the approach phase of the landing, and the first thing it did was to pitch Antares forward to a more upright attitude. At 8,000 feet, the sudden change in spacecraft attitude at pitchover gave Shepard and Mitchell their first look at the landing site, and they were electrified. Cone Crater was dead ahead, right where it was supposed to be. Fat as a goose, said Shepard. The LPD angle of 41 that Shepard referred to was the landing point designator angle. The commander could look through a set of scribe marks on his window, and the LPD angle, which the lunar module pilot gave him from the pings, would tell the commander where to look along the vertical scale to find the place where the computer thought that they were going to land. If the commander didn't like that spot, he could move his hand controller to tell the computer that he wanted to change the landing spot up or back or to either side. A single movement of the hand controller, which moves the landing point by a half degree or so, was referred to as a click. Hey, okay. Houston, I'm on half. Roger, Ed. Okay, 2,000, 48, I'm, I'm going down left. a little fast. At 2,000 feet, Shepard made a single redesignation to tell the computer to land 110 meters to the left of its original point by moving his hand controller one click. The schedule Mitchell referred to was the descent profile chart, which showed the desired descent rate as a function of altitude. According to the pilot's report section of the Apollo 14 mission report, at some altitude less than 1,500 feet, two things became apparent. First, that the redesignated landing point was too rough, and second, that the automatic landing would occur short of the target. Okay, 1,500. A little fast, not bad. Holding in well. LPD 40, Al. Okay, coming through 1,000 feet, 27 feet, right on schedule. Right on schedule now. Went by Cone Crater right outside to my right. Okay, the best spot is uh, a little south of track, about halfway between Triplet and Dublin. A little south of track. Okay. About 60 meters. Okay, it looks good going. from here. Looks good from here. Shepard later recalled that the landing point designator looked good until Antares descended below 1,000 feet. Then it appeared as though it was going to be a little bit short and right about in the middle of Triplet Crater. Okay, I'll get through 550 feet. Okay. 16 feet per second, 500 feet, 15 feet per second. It looks good. Your fuel is good at 10%.
At PDI, they had over 18,000 pounds of propellant. And at landing, they will have about 794 pounds remaining. Only Neil Armstrong landed with less fuel remaining, about 770 pounds. Give us take it over and move okay. up. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You're through 300. Shepard has now taken over manual control of the spacecraft and is using the hand controller to fly Antares like a helicopter. Okay, I'd give, give it a few clicks. You're through 200 feet. You heard Mitchell say to speed it up. He was warning Shepard that he needed to start down so they could land before the fuel supply reached a critical level. Starting down. Okay, you can move on forward. You're just barely crossing North Triplet. Barely crossing North Triplet. 6% fuel, okay. 150 feet. There's decent quantity light. Okay. Low level. Terry's was rapidly running out of fuel. The descent quantity light illuminated, indicating there was less than 5.6% of fuel remaining. Then Capcom, Fred Hayes radioed the 60 seconds of fuel remaining warning. Shepard needed to land. Okay, 50 feet down. 50 feet. We're in good shape, too. 3 feet per second. 40 feet. At 50 feet above the surface of the moon, Shepard reassured Mission Control that everything was well by saying, We're in good shape, troops. Three feet per second. 30. Three feet per second. Looking great. 20 feet. 10. Three feet per second. Contact out. 1.5 meter probes hung beneath three of the footpads. Mitchell called contact when at least one of the probes touched the surface and a lamp on the panel illuminated. To stop. Brake. Pro. Auto. Auto. We're on the surface. Okay, we made a good landing. Roger, Antares. As you heard, Antares successfully landed on the moon. Once contact was made, the engine was supposed to be shut down immediately, but Shepard left the engine on through contact and for about 1.7 seconds after touchdown, cooking the landing gear in the process. But that didn't matter. It was a good landing. In fact, it was closer to Shepard's target than any other landing in the Apollo program. Now, 
That was the highly detailed and constantly interrupted version of the Apollo 14 moon landing. Here is the uninterrupted version in real time, just like it happened in February of 1971. This will last a little over 13 minutes. Three, two, one, zero. And we have auto ignition. Good. Roger, Terrace. We have an auto ignition. Okay. Engine door override, engine override. Okay, and the master arm is off. All right, ready for twenty-six. Okay. We'll take the throttle up at twenty-six. Throttle up. Okay, we're at full throttle. Command is down. All right, John Terrace. Get those ED bats out of the way. Yeah, I was going to wait. Give another 10 seconds here. Oh, look at the... Okay. Oh, 
Take a look at ED map. Okay, throttle's converging. Looks nice. Houston, the ED bats are go. All in the green. Roger. Isn't it a smooth ride? Yeah, it's great. And Terry's, you're going for. Times is good. Five. Four. Pizza by is good. H dot still low. H is converging. Things and eggs are about two and a half foot apart. Good. Got to 32,000. We should be getting landing radar in very soon. Houston, uh, your ping's H dot is a good one. 
Okay, thank you. Starting down. Okay, you can move on forward. You're just barely crossing north triplet. Okay. 
barely crossing to us. 6% fuel, okay. 150 feet. There's defense quantity light. Okay. Low level. Alright. And you can land over here. There's some dust now. 110 feet. 3 feet per second down. You're looking straight. Straight straight. 6%. There's good dust. You're on your own. It's starting now. Starting now. Okay. It says 90 feet. 4 feet per second. 5 feet per second down. Okay. Down. Looking great. 60 seconds. Okay, 50 feet down. 50 feet. We're in good shape, Chief. 3 feet per second. 40 feet. 3 feet per second. 30. 3 feet per second. Looking great. 20 feet. 10. 3 feet per second. Contact now. Two stop. Great. Pro. Auto. Auto. We're on the surface. Okay, we made a good landing. Roger, enters. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I want to say thanks for listening to episode number 312 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 14 Lunar Landing Part 2. Want to apologize for running so long on this episode. I will try to get you out of here as quickly as possible. I only had one afterthought this week to speed things up, and it regards last week's episode. You may remember Don Isles, who devised the workaround for the intermittent abort push-button problem. A listener wrote in and said that Don Isles told him that he was not at home asleep during the landing phase of Apollo 14. Rather, he was at his office. My source, which was Light This Candle by Neil Thompson, said that Isles was woken up at 2 a.m. and taken to his lab in his pajamas. So that little detail that I presented last week is questionable. I tend to believe that Isles was in his office for several reasons, not the least of which is I have found instances in Neil Thompson's book where he has taken, shall we say, some artistic license. So what this boils down to is Isles may not have done his coding in his PJs. Nevertheless, it was still an impressive feat to create the abort push-button workaround so quickly. Well, as you heard, we have reached the dog days of summer. This is a time when contributions to the podcast typically dwindle. So if you can afford to make a contribution during this time, it will certainly be appreciated. We did receive three contributions over the past week. Robert M. from Texas sent in another donation and moved to the Apollo level. Kevin H. pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level and earned his moon emoji. Greg R. from the Upper Peninsula in Michigan 
pledged on Patreon at the Soyuz level. Thank you for supporting the Space Rocket History Podcast. We are now at 234 Patreon donors with a goal of reaching 300 for 2019. Our total donors for 2019 have reached 387 with a goal of reaching 600 in 2019. For the 387 of you who have already donated, I certainly appreciate it. This week we are giving away the SRH logo magnet to one of our lucky donors. Mrs. SRH randomly selected Andrew Rosenbaum. Andrew, please email us at mike at spacerockethistory.com and tell us your address so we can mail this out to you. Okay, folks, that's all we have for this week. I will try to have episode 313 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.